Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I wanted to just touch on something that uh, Pastor Christine mentioned about prayer. 832-864-2802 is our prayer line. It's unmanned, but you can leave a voicemail, you can leave a text, and, uh, the, and we will be praying for you. Prayer is part of the culture that we have developed here, or the Lord has developed here at Life Fellowship, and it's really, really important. And Sherry was telling me uh, this morning that she prayed for me this morning. And, you know, we don't have to be on the prayer team to be praying. We should be praying all the time, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Pray a lot. Pray. And so prayer is, is an important part of the culture here. And so, you know, continue to pray. Pray for, uh, pray for Pastor Christine and I and pray for your church body, your, our family here. You know, there are times and I'm, I'm praying for you. You know, the Lord will place somebody on, on my heart, and I'll just pray for you. And, uh, you know, it could be random times during the day. It didn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. And uh, so prayer is, is the key. And uh, so we're, we're in this, this series that I'm really excited about, Gifts from the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about why do we need the gifts. Um, and last week we, we talked about, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. And last week I talked about uh, the greatest gift is Jesus. And, uh, but I want to talk uh, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. And, and you can go ahead and be reading in those chapters. I think there's a lot of confusion about the gifts, how they are to be used, and are they for today, or, or what gifts are available to us, and, and things like that. And uh, it should be clear that, that God's greatest gift, Jesus, it should be clear why we need him. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but why do we need the spiritual gifts? And uh, hopefully through this series we will unpack the answer to these questions and also bring clarity to what the gifts are, how to use the gifts, their results, when to use the gifts. It's, it's really not that complicated, but I think the church has made it more complicated than what the Word actually says. If we just read the Word and not try to filter it through theology or through what we want it to say, are necessarily what people have taught us that are incorrect. If we just read the Word and just do the Word, it's not that difficult. <laughs> so I want to talk, before I jump in this morning, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the, the letter was written from Paul to Corinth. And I want to talk a little bit about Corinth because whenever we read the Bible, it's important that we know who the letter or who the the you know, when we're talking New Testament, we're generally talking letters. Who was Paul writing these letters to? What was the culture? What was going on? What was the purpose of the letters? What was, what was he addressing? Why was the writer addressing these issues? So Paul visited Corinth in about 50 AD and stayed for about 18 months. In that day, Corinth paralleled our culture today. They, they had great influence there was great welfare, commerce, it was multiracial. I've been told that Houston is the most 
uh, diversity in America where of the six million people that live here, about a million were not born here. So there's a lot of parallels between what we see was happening in Corinth at the time and the, the times that we're living in today. Uh, although powerful, Greece, Greece was powerful at one point in time, due to their defiance to Rome, Rome destroyed Corinth in 146 B.C., and in 44 B.C., Julius Caesar began to rebuild Corinth because it was a, a major hub. It was in a great location, and uh, it became a, a very vibrant and prosperous city again. And so when Paul visited Corinth 100 years later after Julius Caesar began to rebuild Corinth, the population was estimated to be about 700,000 people, which is a, a, a significant population now. But can you imagine 2,000 years ago? And so it was attracting merchants from all across the globe. And uh, Corinth was an important trade center for merchants traveling in that region. And I, I forgot my pointer. So you want to put that slide up while I grab my pointer? <laughs> I actually need a longer one. This one is not long enough. Okay, so what you see here is Corinth is, is over here. There's Athens. Uh, the dark part is the water. The lighter color is the land mass. You see Philippi, Thessalonica, Thessalo, yeah. <laughs> I always struggle with that one. Um, but you see some of the Colossae, um, Ephesus, Philadelphia, Thyatira. So those were some of the the churches that the Lord uh, wrote to or spoke to in Revelation. Uh, but, but you'll see that, uh, oh, there you go. Okay, look at that. Technology. Wow, that's amazing. Awesome. Tasha, cool. Uh, so anyway, if you look at Corinth, it, it was on an isthmus. It was a, a thin... Uh, strip of land that was about four or five miles, and, and the Mediterranean Sea could become very volatile and very dangerous and treacherous during the winter times, and, and so some of the smaller ships would actually be uh, carried across that little strip of land to avoid some of the, the perils of the Mediterranean Sea, um, and every two years, they held uh, the Isthmian, Isthmian and they held games there, okay, <laughs> like the Roman games, uh, dating back to 500 B.C. So they were, uh, they were a very um, dynamic culture with lots of activities and things, and then they got destroyed in 146, 148, whatever it was. But after, after Julius Caesar built them back, they continued with the games, and uh, some of their competitions were gymnastics, equestrian, uh, musical, and then by the time that uh, Paul journeyed there, a hundred years after Julius Caesar had begun to rebuild it, they added some of the, um, the Roman games, chariot races and other Roman competitions. Uh, there were many pagan temples there, and there were many temptations for the early church that they were dealing with because of the culture that, that had been there before the Greek culture 
with all the Greek gods and the Roman culture then coming in. And so you have a lot of these, um, this was the early days of the church, the Christian church. And so they were dealing with a lot of things there. The Corinthians had become a place, or Corinth had become a place of luxury, indulgence, including prostitution and sexual immorality was rampant there. And uh, I guess that Corinth would rival some of our larger cities today, Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta, Houston, uh, Las Vegas. Um, so you think about the culture that we live in today, and it was probably uh, much like, like what we see going on in the world around us. Corinthians had been given a term, Corinthianized, which meant having immoral sex. Immoral uh, sexual immorality was prevalent in their culture. And the moral decay we see happening in the U.S. and around the world today is reflective of the Corinthian culture and depravity and rot that they were experiencing too. So the early Christians had a lot of challenges. How did, the, how did we navigate this and how do we uh, live a Christian life in the midst of all this corruption and, and moral depravity around us? And so this letter from Paul in 1 Corinthians is really to give instruction to the believers, to help them know how to navigate through these challenges, to encourage the believers, to teach and train the believers, to challenge them to stand firm in their relationship with the Lord. And I've shared with you that the intent, one of the, the intents of Life Fellowship is that Whenever you go to a life group, whenever you come on a Sunday morning, whenever, you're, whenever we're at prayer at the property on Wednesdays, whenever that is, uh, one of the things that we want to do is we want to encourage one another. And we want to teach and train and equip so that we can be released to go out and make more disciples. And then there's always usually a challenge. What is the Word of God saying to me today through this message? And how can I go out and live it. So it was the same concept of what Paul was teaching and really what the, the early disciples and, and writers of the uh, early church were doing. They're trying to, to teach and train and equip and, and encourage and, and, uh, and, and challenge the believers to, to live this Christian life, not just talk about it, but to go out and live it. So Let's, let's begin to drill down into the spiritual gifts. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Okay, so everything that Paul was writing, everything in the New Testament is critical. It's for our understanding. But it's interesting to me that Paul is, is telling the early church, I don't want you to misunderstand this. And then I look today, 2,000 years later, and I think we are still misunderstanding the gifts sometimes. My first point this, this morning is the Holy Spirit gives us important gifts. The Holy Spirit is not just giving us gifts just to give us gifts. There's a purpose and a plan and a reason that he's giving us these gifts. And we'll find out a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Uh, he goes on to write, remember, he's writing to the church of Corinth, the, the Corinthians, and so he's talking to them about some of the things that they're dealing with. And he says, you know, when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Now, Isaiah, I want to uh, skip to Isaiah chapter 44, 
And Isaiah addressed this. He says, uh, talking about you know, people that made idols, he said, He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and keep himself warm. He says, Ah, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes, makes his God a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why, why, is, is, why it's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down and worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that, he, that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol, what I'm holding in my hand, a lie? And so I've shared with you that uh, I took a, a tour. Uh, we did a, a field trip, a number of pastors, and we went to a lot of different temples and mosques and and, uh, you know, just different pagan religions. And, and I was so amazed at these idols that they had, and people were bowing down and worshiping to them. But yet, we, we serve a living God. And, and you think about what Isaiah is saying here, it, it makes a lot of sense. They take a piece of wood, and they use it for fire, and then they carve part of it and make a God out of it, and they're praying to this God. And so Paul is dealing with these things. He says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Because as we talked about last week or the week before, we talked about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. Jesus wouldn't curse the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God wouldn't curse Jesus. John 14, 17 says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. If we don't have a relationship with the Lord when we're walking in the world, did we care? Were we looking for the Holy Spirit? Would we have recognized the Holy Spirit? John 14, 17 continues, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus was saying, he's, I'm here, the Holy Spirit is with you here now because he's in me, and later he will be living in you. And so we've already talked about on the day of Pentecost when the Lord sent the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was talking about. He says, he's with you right now, and later he will be in you. In a few days after I've risen from the grave, I, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, and later he will be in you. And so, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, they're not going to be speaking against one another. A healthy person wouldn't take a knife and begin stabbing themselves. <laughs> that would indicate some kind of psychological issue. Right? And so the Holy Spirit and the, and the Father and, and Jesus, they're all one. They're in unity. So my first point, the Holy Spirit gives us important gifts. My second point is the Holy Spirit determines which gift we get. Let's, let's read, uh, read on in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 12. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. 
And again, remember when I talked about the Trinity uh, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes from the Lord, and He determines what He's going to give us. He distributes those gifts to us. Now, we can pray and we can ask for gifts. Jude 20 says we, we should pray in the Spirit at all times because it builds us up. But I know some people don't have a prayer language. Ask God. Say, God, I want a prayer language. And it's, well, we're not there yet, but he says, Paul says, it's better that you should prophesy. Pray that God will give you gifts. It's okay to ask the Father. The Word says that we're to come boldly before the throne of grace and present our petitions to Him with thanksgiving. So it's okay to ask the Father. So 1 Corinthians 12.5, there are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord. There's unity within the body of Christ. There should be. There's unity in the Godhead. God created us. He knows what, what gifts He wants to give us. God did not give me a gift of singing. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the Word says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, because sometimes my singing is a joyful noise. But together, we are a beautiful puzzle. And sometimes we want to take this piece of the puzzle that's blue, and we're trying to make it fit in the sky, and it doesn't really fit because it's in the water. But God has a specific purpose and plan for you. You are a specifically designed piece of the overall puzzle. So don't try to be the sky if you're the water. Because if you try to make that piece fit, it messes that piece up and the others around it. So you are part of this, this wonderful gift of creation that God has made and you have a special part that nobody else can, can take the place of. Your service is vital to the overall results of all that we do. Because, you know, many, most of us are coming here on Sunday morning and, and many of you are serving, you're setting up, you're doing different things that are important for the rest of us. Say, uh, um, let's, let's read on in 1 Corinthians 12, 6. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And I've shared with you, uh, you know, fairly recently about how that uh, even the good things that we do, I think, are driven by the Holy Spirit. Go pray for that person. Go bless that person. Go give them $100, whatever that may be. I'm not thinking of those things. But God is not looking for, for, for perfect people. He's looking for people that are yielded and, and will obey Him. Because it all comes from Him anyway. You know, I could give you $1,000 and say, I want you to go give John 100 I want you to go to lunch today. I want you to keep a couple of hundred. Just be on standby. Because I may call you and text you and say, hey, would you send $100 to Dan? You know, that's, that's what it's like. We're just... His hands and feet. He provides everything for us, and he's just looking for people that will obey. And then he just keeps it coming. You know, we're just like a conduit. So your service is vital to the overall results of all that we do here locally uh, and as a part of the Life Fellowship Church, but also in the kingdom. 
When we went overseas and we're ministering to those pastors, you were part of that because you're supporting this ministry, and we're just going where God called us to go and influencing 700,000 to a million other people that we get to do. That's amazing if you think about that. But let's read on. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. The Holy Spirit probably speaks differently to you than he does to me. The Holy Spirit speaks the language of our heart. I'm going to have a dangerous ta moment here. Ta stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. Hi, honey. I love you, babe. We just celebrated our 40th anniversary. Are you still committed to that? But I want to talk about communication. Did I tell you how much I love you, babe? Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm talking with Cliff, it's a little different than my wife. I mean, there's no misunderstanding. It's like, hey, Cliff. Hi, honey. But sometimes when I talk to my wife, I'm having a tall moment here, transparent, authentic, and honest. I don't have a clue as to what she's trying to say. And, you know, I'm sure it's me. It, it's me, babe. It's, it's all me. It's, it's my fault. <laughs> I love the humility in that. That's awesome. But the Holy Spirit will speak to us in a manner that's reflective of how we can receive. And when I'm laying in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and the Holy Spirit wakes me up, it's like, get up, I have a word for you. Or get up, I want you to pray. Or get up. You know, I would think it'd be, hi, Mark. Good morning. It's not, it's not, the sun's not up yet, but would you please get up? And get, that's not how he talks to me. He's like, get up, because he knows me. Because if it were like, oh, good morning, Mark. And so the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us differently, but it's okay. Because, you know, we, we, as we grow in this relationship, our, our communication changes to some degree. Like, uh, you know, like if I want my wife to do something, I'm like, oh, honey, sweetheart, would you please? You know, I'm like, hey, would you, you know, help me out here or whatever, right? And so we have this relationship that we don't have to walk on eggshells, and the Holy Spirit doesn't have to walk on eggshells with us. And so that shows the depth. The Holy Spirit's always a gentleman. He's never rude, okay? But... Sometimes I just need to get up out of bed, and if, if, if you soft sell it to me, I'll probably fall back asleep. So the Holy Spirit is going to, going to speak to us in the manner of the language of our heart. So let's look at verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Have we missed this? Why, why are the gifts given? So that we can help one another. Or, or is it so we can demonstrate our spiritual prowess? Oh, I, I, speak, uh, I speak words of prophecy. Or I get dreams and visions. Or, you know, when I pray, it's power. Why does he give us the gifts? It's not for us. It's so that we can do his work and do his will so that we can help one another. And I'm not, I'm not convinced. I've heard people say, that move into different giftings. Well, I, ha I have a gift of prophecy. Or I have a gift of discernment. You know what? I'm not convinced that we only get one gift. 
I'm, I am convinced that God will give us what we need when we need it for what he wants to do. If we are yielded, I believe the God, that the Lord will give us what is needed then. If he wants me to speak a prophetic word, he can do that. If he wants to perform a miracle through my life, he can do that. The Lord is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that are available and yielded. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> Let's read on in verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. And, you know, the thing is, when we're flowing in the Holy Spirit, many times, um, and I, I'm sure you know what this is like, like if, some, if I'm having a conversation, I'm not even, or, or like giving a prophetic word, I'm not even really sure what I'm saying. I mean, I know what I'm saying, but I know that it's not me saying it. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. And, and sometimes I won't even really remember what, I, what the Lord gave me to speak over someone a week or two later. Because you know what? It's for then. It's for them and it's for then. And so the Lord is speaking through me and I just deliver the word and then, you know, that's it. To another, the same Spirit gives a message, a message of special knowledge. When we were in India and we were praying for these hundreds of people... God was just like giving me insight into their life. And I know because I could see the response of the people. God would say, you know what, pray for them for this or for that or, or whatever. And so, you know, you could just see that God was all over them, touching their lives. It wasn't me because I don't have that kind of wisdom or knowledge. It, it was the Holy Spirit just pouring through me. And so that's what he wants to do. So to the, same, the same spirit gives faith to another. Now, as believers, we're all supposed to have faith, right? It's impossible to please God without faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we're saved by grace through what? Faith, when we believe, not of our works, and anyone should boast. So faith, we have faith. It's a choice that we make to trust in him. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? Um, and so we're believing if, if we can see it, we don't need faith for it. And so when I go out to the property, I'm saying, Lord, I have faith for this building to be built. Show me in my mind's eye what you want me to see, what you want us to do. Um, an example, and I've shared this before, so if you've heard the story, please just be gracious. <laughs> um, one day I came out of praise and worship rehearsal, and I had a 1976 or 77 Chevy truck, three on the tree that would, if you slop through the gears, it would, the linkage would get all jacked up, lift up the mat, you could see the, the road underneath, the air conditioner didn't work, the heater didn't work. I came out from that praise and worship rehearsal, and I said, Lord, I want a new truck. I'm just asking you for a new truck. And you know what? I knew it was going to happen. And I think that is, is what the gift of faith, to the best of my knowledge, from my experience, that was like getting a gift of faith. It's like I didn't know how it was going to happen. I was just praying, but I knew it was going to happen. And a few weeks later, somebody said, hey, I want to buy you a new truck. Go pick it out. And I, I drove to San Antonio, and I picked out this beautiful Chevy Silverado third-door extended cab. Teal color. It was beautiful. Still my favorite truck. But I didn't know. 
I just knew it was going to happen. And so I think sometimes God will give us the gift of faith, maybe because he knew I didn't have the faith on my own. I don't know. I'm not saying I understand how the gifts work. I'm just saying that God gives us gifts. And to someone else, verse 9 continues, and to someone else, this one spirit gives the gift of healing. We've seen people healed. We prayed for, I don't know, hundreds of people. Not everyone has gotten healed that we know of. Now, we've seen people that have gotten healed. We prayed for people. My wife is an example. Uh, there was a lady that used to come to our church, and she had a, a cancer spot on her hand. We prayed for her, and it went away. It disappeared. Uh, there was a guy in India, uh, not this last time we went, but the time before. Actually, I think it was when we were in Malaysia. And he told me that he had been hit by, he was on the side of the road, and he'd been hit by a bus or a truck. And, uh, you know, his, his head was messed up. He, he, he got all messed up from this accident. And so he asked me to pray for him. So I prayed, prayed with him. And uh, I got an email that he had been healed. You know, and, and so those are the kinds of things that God will do because he loves you, because he loves us, he loves his children. And I, I don't know why sometimes it's like a sprinkler. You know, the sprinklers that go Sometimes I feel like our prayers or our, our answer to prayers are more like the ch -ch 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 -ch. like maybe they're skipping some. And I, I, don't know, I don't know what to do other than just pray. Pray in faith, knowing that God is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And then just trust Him. And so that's what we do. And then it's up to Him to do the healing or whatever He wants to do. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. He gives. I was thinking about when Jesus fed the 5,000 and, and, and some of those miracles. What did Jesus do? He blessed it. And then he gave it to the disciples and said, you feed them. So God blesses us. God pours into us. And then he says, okay, go and do something with it. Another person, uh, and to another, he gives the ability to prophesy in verse 10. And again, going back to our last trip overseas, um, God was moving powerfully. And uh, God was giving us wisdom or words of knowledge and prophetic words that we're speaking over people. And I know that... Uh, it was, it was just powerful. And I know that we'll get a report about some of these things, how God moved. <clears throat> I was thinking about some of the things the Lord has spoken to us. We've shared, I've shared with, these, these, with you numerous times. In 2019, the Lord said, we're in a reset before COVID hit. In 2020, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. This is before COVID really ramped up. And I was thinking about this word the other day when the Lord said, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. And um, I didn't get the impression then or now that this word was like the world as we know it. But the world as we know it. God is part of the world. God is part of what he's doing in the world. So the things that impact us impact him too, right? Because he loves us. And he, it's like the Lord was saying, the world as we know it, son. 
Not just the world as we know it, as life fellowship or the body of Christ, but the world as we know it's soon going to change. It's, it's never going to be the same. Because, you know, when we, when we have this relationship with the Lord, He's invested in us. He cares about us. And so if you have a friend or a family member uh, that lost their job, that would have an impact on you, right? You would say, man, I'm, you wouldn't say probably, well, I'm sorry, we lost our job. But you know what I'm saying? You're invested in that relationship. And so it doesn't just impact them. Okay, you lost your job. Too bad. Man, I, I'm, I feel for you. I'm with you because you are, you are part of my, my family. You're someone that I love and I care about and that I have a relationship with. And, and so the Lord is speaking to us. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. And it has. It's never going back. There are some things that have happened. You, you just, I mean, God can do anything, but they're not going to be reversed. Um, and in 2021, the Lord spoke to me about prepare. Prepare. 22, are you prepared for my return? He asked me. I'm returning soon. Press into me. Tell life, the Life Fellowship family. God is speaking to us. Are we listening? And then this year, at the end of the fast, release those who stubbornly refuse to yield to me. Be more intentional in pouring into those who are genuinely seeking me. Time is short. First Corinthians 12.10. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. The Word says the prophets are subject to the prophets. We need to have discerning spirits to, to be able to discern because someone can tell you, yeah, that sounds, this is what the Lord is saying or whatever, but does it register with your spirit, man? Does that register with what the Holy Spirit is telling you? Because people can say all kinds of things. And there are, we know that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. And we can look back in, in, in the Bible and see where people were operating with demonic spirits, claiming to be godly. Listen, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then don't take it. And listen to the spirit man in you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? There have been people that have told me stuff, and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. And the Holy Spirit says, don't, don't take that. Don't listen to that. And I think we're living in a time where we're seeing that kind of negative demonic influence press in. But the word says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we don't have to fear. We just need to stay plugged into him. We just need to know the truth. Aletheia. Aletheia, which means not an illusion, but the reality of the truth. And if we don't know the word, we can, we can be uh, deceived. So we need to be able to have discernment. And the Lord gives us that. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Again, what are these gifts for? They're for us. And I'm going to talk more about speaking in tongues and a prayer language and, 
and all of these things. We're just kind of scratching the surface here. Because it's important that we know what the Word says. And our, the Word says that we need to accurately understand the Word of God. He goes on to write, it is the, the, um, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. It's important. And he chooses. We, had a, we have a good friend, and she was going to a church, and they wanted to have a life group. And this particular denomination says that you are filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Well, what if the Lord didn't give me that gift? Then you're saying, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit? And it turned out that she went to a conference with PC and she got her prayer language at that conference. But here's the thing, you know, sometimes we want to put God in a box. And God is bigger than our box. And, you know, we shouldn't allow some theology to negate what the Word of God says. We just read, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all the gifts. So it would be like, you know, if, if I were giving, handing out bicycles to children, and I, I was handing out a purple one and some red ones, and, and, they, and the children begin to talk, and they say, well, only... Only Pastor Mark loves the, the children that got the, the purple bikes. No, Pastor Mark loves all the children. And he determined which bike color to give to the kids, maybe. And so, you know, do we get locked into thinking that, that God has to give us a certain gift for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I hope not. Because he gives the gifts that he desires. He distributes those. So the Holy Spirit gives us important gifts. The Holy Spirit determines which gifts we receive. My third point is the Lord guides us in how and when to use the gifts. I've seen people that are moving in the power of the prophetic. And what they're saying is right on, but the timing is bad. And I'm not sure if it's because they wanted to just express their spiritual prowess and how spiritual they are. But their discernment meter was off because the word was right on because I knew about a situation that was going on that they were speaking to, but the timing was off. And so we want to make sure that the gifts we're using are to help people, not to cause more dissension, division, hurt, pain. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He will speak to me and say, I'm giving you insight, but that's for you for right now. Just so you'll have a little insight. You're not to share that. You're just to, you know, hold on to that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 11 continues. He alone decides which gift each, each person should have. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. The, the con, this concept is, is really perfect. It's a great example because 
We need all the members of the body of Christ functioning at 100% to fulfill His purpose individually, for you to fulfill His purpose. But also, there's an, uh, an impact on us corporately, right? If we're all part of the puzzle, going back to that example, but we've got a few pieces that are missing that are in the sofa cushions or somewhere else under the sofa or the dog is chewed up, it's incomplete. And so your part is an important part that's needed for my part. And my part is important for your part. And we all work together. That's why uh, Paul talks about unity. The Word talks about unity. Being in one accord. It doesn't mean that we think the same about everything, but it means that we have a common goal. And we're agreeing on these things. Okay, you, you want blue chairs, you want red chairs, you want purple chairs. Okay, those things don't matter, really. You can have an opinion, but has, has our opinions become more important than our unity and working together? If I don't get it my way, well, when did it become all about me anyway? God wants to guide you. God has great plans for you. And interestingly enough, He uses us to help one another. Sometimes we need an edge rubbed off. And so maybe God will place somebody in our life to help rub that edge off a little bit. Smooth us out. Maybe make us a little more uh, kind in our approach. How we're dealing with things. Because it's important to the Lord. Because we're all His people. His people that are not your people. <laughs> Maybe you don't want them to be your people. They're His people. And He loves us. And He gives us the gifts so that we can help one another. Even maybe those that are a little rough and crusty. But they're still part of the body. They're believers. And you know what? All of us can be a little rough and crusty. We may not see it. Galatians, I want to close with this passage in Galatians 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Just yield. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Then it won't be all about me and what I want. It'll be all about Him. Listen, I know we're all a work in progress. Nobody's arrived. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the life Jesus died to give us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the life that Jesus died to give you and me. The Holy Spirit gives us important gifts. The Holy Spirit determines which gifts we receive. The Holy Spirit guides us in how and when to use the gifts.